Two, we're moving ahead in uh, numbers. We're at numbers 25. And uh, if uh, our Zoom host can pop up the uh, passage in the chat, thank you, Steph. Could I get a couple volunteers to read the passage out loud for us? While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These Dave, 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 can you read our uh, chat passage one, if that's okay? Okay. Thank you. Then Balaam got up and returned home, and Balak went his own way. While Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women, who invited them to the sacrifices to their gods. The people ate and bowed down before these gods. So Israel joined in worshiping the Baal of Peor, and the Lord's anger burned against them. The Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of these people, kill them, and expose them in broad daylight before the Lord so that the Lord's fierce anger may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to Israel's judges, each of you must put to death those of your men who have joined in worshiping the Baal of Peor. Then an Israelite man brought to his family a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance to the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he left the assembly, took a spear in his hand, and followed the Israelite into the tent. He drove the spear through both of them, through the Israelite, and into the woman's body. Then the plague against the Israelites was stopped, but those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. The Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of of Aaron the priest has turned my anger away from the Israelites, for he was as zealous as I am for my honor among them, so that in my zeal I did not put an end to them. Therefore tell him I am making my covenant of peace with him. In the name of the Minyite woman who was put to death was 
Cosby, daughter of Zura, a tribal chief of the Midianite family. The Lord said to Moses, treat the Midianites as enemies and kill them because they... Oh, did I skip? Yes, you did. Oh, what did David do? 11? Yeah. 12? Oh, sorry. Therefore, why did he stop there? Therefore, tell him I am making my covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants will have a covenant of a lasting priesthood because he was zealous for the honor of his God and made atonement for the Israelites. The name of the Israelite who was killed with the Midianite woman was Simri, son of Salu, the leader of the Simonite family. And the name of the Midianite woman who was put to death was Cosby, daughter of Zura, a tribal chief of the Midianite family. The Lord said to Moses, treat the Midianites as enemies and kill them because they treated you as enemy when they deceived you in the affair of prayer. And their sister Cosby, the daughter of Midianite leader, the woman who was killed when the plague came as a result of prayer. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> uh, for uh, circling back. I didn't get that first. Okay. Uh, so last we looked, we were actually high above this uh, scene, right? We were with um, Balaam and Balak, uh, and they were their kind of hapless attempt to try to um, curse the Israelites, right? And uh, we talked about how. Um, God frustrated their attempts and 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 all that, um, but I think we did mention that the Israelites were kind of oblivious to it. They had no idea what was going on, like in in another region. They turn out to be right doing something a taboo, uh, something that um, was uh, in many ways kind of the worst thing that they could do, right? So I want to kind of make that our first uh, kind of consideration. So the first question uh, that'll pop up is, uh, what do you make of this sinful display by the Israelites against God in light of how chapters uh, 22 to 24 outline God's extraordinary protection of his people? So I guess to, you could boil down the question to how could they do this, maybe? Thank you, Matt. Can, 
Yeah. So, uh, so let's. Uh, I'll, I'll. I'll kind of. I'll follow up with Matt here. Um, you know, why did what? What was the kind of? Why did they blatantly disregard? Uh, Dave um, or Lucy, you guys think that? Yeah, you know, they 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 didn't know what was going on, right? Uh, up there. But in light of what was going on up there, like, you know, we could say that God was, you know, consistent in how he treated the Israelites, let's say. Um, and yet, uh, I guess the, 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 the juxtaposition, the side-by-sidedness of these chapters, um, it kind of like, it's very jarring, right? that God is like going out of his way to kind of uh, exalt even the Israelites talking about how great they are to the Moabites. <laughs> and yet the reality of them down in the valley is very different. So how do we, is God kind of, is he like some doting grandfather? Or, or I'd like to hear kind of the, those kinds of kind of um, thinking and that kind of kind of you know I think it's kind of puzzling uh, these uh, the sequence of actions and Matt if you had a, a follow up to what drove their blatant disregard and others. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I can't really um, explain. I guess it's not apparent to me immediately why they did it, but um, it does say something ab about them in that you know they're just faithless and you know don't uh, don't take their uh, commitment or their covenant with God. Um, as seriously as, as God does. Um, but I, I guess what I was thinking was that it says, maybe in a way it says more about God or, you know, his sort of choice, like that his choice of these people is not in particular because they are, you know, really faithful and worthy and, and all. It's his, his choice um, and it's his grace that, you know, he wants to bless uh, these people in the way that he, you know, outlined in the previous chapters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so certainly the independent grace of God, right? Uh, maybe they felt privileged and underappreciated position they were in, abused their position, okay? So, you know, what I thought about was like, like, let's say in a family, like one of the spouses works two or three jobs, making money and trying to, you know, keep the family, um, you know, uh, making ends meet. And let's say a faithless spouse <laughs> takes that money and gives it to <laughs> an adulterous relationship. Is that kind of like, I don't know, just 
this is particularly troublesome uh, to me um, that they would, you know, after all of, as we, as we read it, God's, um, you know, kind of bending over backwards to really uh, talk about and, and, and protect the Israelites. Um, they, uh, they're too busy. They're preoccupied with uh, their thoughts are far from him, right? Not only kind of, let's say, disregarding or ignoring, but um, positively acting against the covenant, right? Breaking direct commands. Uh, maybe some of the most important ones of all. Uh, in the process. Yeah, I think it's worth thinking about a little bit longer, more, more, um, more kind of contributions from you guys. Um, maybe you've seen it in your own life or Maybe have a offer an explanation. And the what the laws uh, chatted uh, put in the chat. Why why do you think it's privilege? What do you mean by? privilege in what sense they could do anything they want they could be forgiven or they were better than the other nations uh they were the chosen people i, I guess is the way i was looking at it the lord's people so in that way they they had a you know they, they were in a position or or i phrased as a privileged hmm. but but if they like use their privilege to like, let's say subjugate other people or to say that we are closer to God than you, I could see that like a self assumption uh, of, of whatever entitlement, but what they did was so uh, it, it really, they, they didn't care about that privilege. It seems to me like it, it, it wasn't a conscious kind of like, Hey, I'm so great because um um, because, you know, God chose me. It's like, you know, forget God. I'm doing what I want. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not sure. Maybe you I, could explain more. You know, I feel like, like, you know, God already chose me. Now I can do these things. almost feel like. But the things that you do is so, you know, personally offensive to God. So don't you think that's a little, I'm wondering if that's a little different. Like I can act spoiled and privileged because I have, let's say money or, you know, entitlement again, but I, would I do that, you know, in the face of the one that gave me that privilege, you know, like break the very, uh, like relational principle that that privilege is, uh, based on maybe. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I would say yes to that. Yeah. Like if I'm already, you know, given that grace, that's easier for someone to fail because you feel as if you've achieved um, that that uh, that position. There's, there's, you're not being as careful, I guess. So you're not, you, you don't have to 
um, you don't have to stay as straight of a line since you're you're already at you know, again that feeling of achievement. Yeah, I think that works, except that uh, what they did, you know, uh, you know, bowing down to the bales was um, would be the pretty much the antithesis of, you know, relating to God properly via the privilege. Okay, I think that would I mean, it's a progression. I don't think, you know, they didn't do that first. Right. It, it, I think it is. It, it took time and, and continuing to wander off the path to get to that point. Right? But I think it started by having that feeling of, you know, achieving that type of, of, of position before God. Right? That, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, certainly there's a progression, right? Cause uh, at least in the, in the version we read, they begin with um, sexual immorality uh, and then they get, uh, drawn into idolatry so adultery and then idolatry although right they say that the hebrew is uh, the original language is kind of vague so you can go both ways because the implication is that they're kind of they go ha- hand in hand which is why god is so strict about no intermarriage and later on we'll have to work through you know um like killing wiping out you know, uh, like genocide, even, uh, and you know, uh, uh, the explanations, the apologetics goes that um, in order to keep them spiritually pure, right? Um, they had to eliminate those um, temptations, if you will. So this is kind of a, a, a quintessential example of why God was so draconian, even about you know, these matters because the Israelites were so prone. Sorry, did I cut off Matt and Joe? No. Okay. Anyone else uh, want to um, weigh in? I was just wondering, you know, that question, whether is it, um, did it begin with physical desire and that temptation was what led it or was there something about Baal worship or that you know worshiping Baal offered um, that they wanted like I don't know fertility or some, something uh, related um, or I mean um, I don't know rain that kind of thing um, yeah I was just I was just wondering about that yeah it's not clear right um... Like, you know, did one was one the kind of the the proximate cause of the other uh, kind of thing? You know, I think they didn't. You know, they they didn't really need the fertility god per se just yet, right? Because they didn't have any land, and and they were already prolific in, in their population, right? So the typical, I mean, Baal was the principal, you know. God, little g, along with Ash, Ashtora, of the kind of the Canaanite uh, deities. So, um, you know, it, it was kind of, um, I think they got, maybe, I don't know if it's ignorance, but um, I don't think they wanted to worship Baal per se. It was kind of a, like uh, whoever mentioned Tony was, it's kind of a progression from uh, engaging in revelry and, and immorality 
and kind of doing what uh, the Moabite women invited them to. And, and you know, in, in that sense, they were hooked or kind of, uh, you know, caught up, trapped, ensnared, right, by that. And then, you know, uh, sin does that, right? Sin makes us do and go beyond. Maybe, you know, we go, I'm not going to, you know, worship any other god. I'm just going to, you know, whatever have physical relations but before you know it right you've exposed um your your weakness and 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 it's been exploited by sin and and satan right um so when when i thought about this just contextually um so you know i i spent some time on what tony said to understand um, because i think it is kind of a privilege but not necessarily that they had a privilege, a sense of like privileged status before God. I think what uh, maybe my, this is my guess that was going on in their minds was life has been really hard. <laughs> you know, they've been, you know, they've been wandering for almost 40 years, right? This is near the end of the uh, desert wanderings. And, you know, they've, you know, pretty much gone from place to place and they've had a few victories and they've had some, Okay, food, but it's been really kind of, you know, miserable. And here is this kind of, uh, let's say, opportunity at pleasure, right? It, it's kind of like, I don't know, let, let's, let's caricature the Westerns of, you know, the, uh, the cowboys after a long uh, trail, you know, trail run, cattle run or whatever. And then they go to, uh, to a busy uh, town and with with sordid options, and you know they they indulge because they think they deserve it. Uh, I, I feel like sin, especially physical sin, uh, often kind of can trace to that kind of I don't know. Let's say <laughs> immoral logic. There's a thing called moral logic, but it's called immoral logic where um, you know you say, well, I've done this and I've gone through this and therefore I deserve this, right? I found that when I first started working, um, you know, in, 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 in a couple of busy professions that the, the hardest times to stay true to God were when I was really stressed out at work, right? When work was killing me when I was like, you know, putting in 18, 20 hour days and, you know, I was doing what I had to do and, you know, church was busy and, you know, a lot of things were busy in my life. Even family was busy that I felt like I could, like, I could justify in my mind, like doing or thinking or feeling something that I wouldn't have if I was a little bit more spiritually alert. If I was, you know, let's say, if I had the, the, the wherewithal to kind of understand, oh, this is, this is not good, this is unhealthy, this is dangerous, right? I find myself at least thinking about it, maybe acting on it too, um, in those times of, of adversity or, 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 do you guys know what I mean? Like, um, you know, when things are rough, we tend to kind of like, I think, devolve to our more, more base instincts. And I think, you know, that's why the, the incongruity of this is so troubling to me that God is trying to elevate the Israelites, right, by showing, by giving them grace and showing them what his vision is for them and 
repeatedly training them and, you know, just watching over them and commit, you know, committing to them, but they are kind of regressing, right? And they're allowing themselves to think of, well, you know, you know, um, God's given me a, a, a bad hand in life. My life's been horrible that, you know, whatever COVID pandemic, or I've been unemployed or, you know, I have no friends or, you know, I've been, I have this, uh, this illness for the longest time or, you know, whatever. Once we convince ourselves that life's been hard, I think it's almost like a natural desire to find some way to kind of make ourselves feel better. Right? And I'm wondering if like, if you trace, you know, our difficulty, I mean, our, our struggles with sin or other people's, right? If you look at, you know, when, if you, people that, let's say, um, are lost in, in, in whatever kind of, uh, you know, under, under the power of sin. Um, I wonder if, you know, there'd be uh, a number of them, um, maybe a big number who, you know, found themselves in this because, right, they convinced themselves that they didn't have to fight for moral purity. They didn't have to struggle for, for, for godly character. They didn't have to do continue the battle, um, you know, they could give themselves an out. They could, um, um, again, uh, you know, uh, condone or over or look, look, you know, look away or, you know, you know what I'm saying? The kind of the, the same kind of uh, discipline it, it, it can break down when, um, you know, things are hard, right? So anyway, th th that's kind of like what I was reflecting on is maybe a trigger, like, you know, they had not really been around civilization for a while, but, you know, they're in the valley and, um, you know, there are these, it's seemingly available and, and, and kind of, you know, attractive, you know, Moabite women. Um, and you know they 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 gave in they 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 yielded they succumbed right to to the temptation and then they you know then it was a slippery slope as we say right they found themselves in uh, kind of blatant uh, contradiction to everything that's God right uh, worshiping uh, the Baals yeah so um, you know let, let's try to you know, put in the context here. Um, why, why in the context? So um, we learn later on, right, that it's actually Balaam, good old Balaam, right? We've talked about him the past few studies. He was the one who um, suggested this idea. Say, so if you want to kind of uh, mess up the Israelites, you know, you use kind of uh, sexual attraction, right? And uh, so if we had any doubts uh, of whether Balaam was really a good guy or not, or whether he really served God or, or whatnot, you know, there was some, I thought there was some ambiguity in the things that he says and, and all that. Well, 
uh, <laughs> we learn that he's not, that he is actually out for himself. And, uh, you know, he gets his comeuppance um, in chapter, I forget, um, one of the later chapters. Um, I think it's 30, it might be 31. Um, Balaam is uh, executed, right? He and, you know, the Moabites, he goes down with the Moabites um, because... Um, he uh, was kind of the mastermind behind behind this seduction, right? Uh, so um, this turns out to be the Achilles' heel of the Israelites, right? Their penchant for rebellion, their um, you know, willingness, their, their, their uh, vulnerability to, you know, uh, spiritual apostasy, right, and the like. Again, just another sad and disturbing lesson on the power of sin, right, and um, even in the light of God's grace, even in the face of all that God has done, you know, right after he, you know, uh, sticks his neck out for them, if you will, um, they betray him, right, in such a uh, offensive manner, right? Well, um, we get a punishment, right? This is the Lord's anger burned against him, and he uh, commands Moses to... Um, it's a little confusing to me, but verse four, take all the leaders of these people. So are these people the ones that indulge in immorality and adultery only, or is it, you know, all of the people? Um, it, it's unclear, right? And then is it just the leaders that are being killed or, or executed, or will it fall on the actual sinners, the ones that are involved right um some commentaries suggest that you know god was, wasn't going to wipe out everybody but representatively wipe out some of the leaders of, of the, these people right of the, of the groups so but it seems like the leaders are charged to put to death verse five put to death those of your men who have joined in worshiping the bale of uh, peor right so I don't know, some sort of confusion. Uh, th there is definitely death happening because, you know, we learn in verse 9 that 24,000 people die in the plague and stuff. But we get this little kind of, I guess it's it's an, not an interlude, but it's kind of a, I don't know, it's just kind of its own little scene here, right? That in the chaos of the judgment and in, in God's anger and, and maybe some were still kind of like, you know, didn't they were just whatever dazed and uh, stupefied by all of their you know idolatrous actions right um, and, and yet some are kind of like taking this more seriously right so it says in verse six it says that they Moses and the whole assembly uh, they're weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting so there's some sort of like contrition going on I don't know who was involved or to what extent. But we see uh, some of that going on. And then 
almost you see like a a little kind of the the near the the the, the pace slows down and 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 like the, the the you get the focus on this uh this man right his name turns out to be zimri and he's a simianite um his his uh father salu was a simianite leader right so probably zimri had some influence but this israelite uh very brazenly brings a Midianite, is it a Midianite? Yeah, a Midianite woman. Her name is uh, Cosby, uh, who's the daughter of a Midianite tribal chief. So it really seems to me that this was a, a, a stratagem, a ploy to uh, really cause the Israelites men to fall right because you know it seems like uh, there is this kind of uh, intentionality uh, on be, uh, by the midianites against uh, the men and even leaders of uh, the israelites but anyway uh zimri uh kind of flouts right the the, the law and he brings cosby uh, into his tent before the eyes of everybody so um, you know, using Tony's words, he's like, he's, he seems like he is like so above any, he's like, you know, he sees himself as immune, right, to any sort of law or any sort of judgment, right? So he doesn't care. He thinks he, he's above all that and he uh, does this uh, before everybody and for Moses and Aaron, uh, Aaron's dead. Moses and and the priests, uh, and also before God. And then we see um, Phineas um, take action. Right, he actually um, kind of executes, capitally punishes zimri and cosby right in uh, a disciplinary um, act of of the spear and right? he spears them to death uh and this turns out to be uh a way to um stop the plague right because up to that time people had been dying but the plague ceases uh, once this judgment is uh carried out and God speaks favorably of Phinehas, right? Calling his actions to be uh, in character, uh, zealous, right? Zealous uh, for his honor, for God's honor. Um, for he was as zealous as I am for my honor among them, verse 11. So, um, in one sense, it's, I guess, good that the plague stopped, but then it's, in another sense, kind of like it brings up a, another host of questions about, um, you know, what Phineas did, right, and what that would look like uh, in terms of, let's say, application. <laughs> Uh, in our day. So let's interact on that 
Um, let's think about that, right? What do you guys make of Finihas's actions? Like, and and if you are, we venture to say like, how could we translate that or apply that in our modern times? What would that look like? What do you think that should look like? Is it um, making it too easy to skirt the question by, um, I don't know, sort of looking at his, what he did, um, like it says in verse 13, right, that um, he, he zealous for the honor of his God and made atonement for the Israelites. So there was some, um, you know, by this act, those righteous act by one person and shedding of blood that it sort of um, had sort uh, had a I don't know like a, an effect for the entire nation like stopping the plague and stuff so um, in our sort of context like you know post Christ do can we say that like that kind of you know, bloodshed that sort of is uh, not necessary <laughs> because of Jesus' sacrifice. I don't know. 
too much of a stretch. I mean, I mean, I think there is kind of, you know, the, the principle is involved of, you know, let's say sin and then kind of remission of sin requiring blood. So, you know, indeed their death um, paid for, let's say, um, their, their own death, I mean, their own sin, certainly. Um, and uh, somehow God was able to take the honor and zeal of Phinehas to uh, kind of satisfy, let's say, his wrath. And you're right, you know, Jesus has, has done that. So, yeah, I don't recommend anybody buying spears or bringing them to church or uh, any vigilante <laughs> kind of... Uh, atonement uh, uh, to be done, but um, it's still a very drastic remedy, right? And uh, so, what what is kind of let's say? Um, is there anything to kind of apply or learn, learn and apply for us now? If I, if I have to take a stab at it. I think part of the reason, pardon, pardon the pun, <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, this thing occurred in such a public manner, right? It's it's while the congregation was, or whoever was congregated at the tabernacle was weeping, and then he brought it inside of the entire congregation, and um, I would even conjecture to say there's noises that were coming out of the tent after they went into the tent in contrast to people's weeping, right? And it's that kind of a, you know, like a public flaunt of what the people who were gathered, you know, were weeping over that, um, that this kind of a swift um, response is um, commended by God, right? So, I don't know if you know it, it would kind of something equivalent would be you know if there was some well I mean you know if we want to talk about it maybe like Ravi Zacharias right if this happened while he was before he passed right if the news of what he did came out right then you know maybe something of a public nature like this, you know, would be, you know, if the man is unrepentant, you know, I'm, you know, uh, perhaps, I don't know if I want to comment more, you know, on that particular issue, but per se, you know, something that is, you know, so offensive to God being done so publicly and, you know, you, know, you can almost say without um, or remorse, um, you know, that would be the analogous kind of scenario when we have to, when we can consider applying something like this. Yeah, that's interesting, David. Um, I mean, there are passages which talk about, you know, um, you know, public discipline for public sin. Right. And and all that, I don't know. But it's it's not the, it's not always so easy, right? Um, like you know, there's a lot of verses from Jesus that, that talks about the equal 
culpability of inner sin versus um, you know visible sin or right? invisible sin versus visible sin. So I think some of that stuff gets kind of kind of tricky. Um, I feel that um, you know yeah. So that might be. It, the public nature of it requiring a public response. I think there's some something uh, solid there. But I, I guess the execution style, I mean, although, you know, Moses, God told Moses and Moses instructed the leaders to kill, like, let's say those that are guilty. So um, again, you know, I think it was a, a different situation and, and the commands were, were clear. So, uh, Maybe if that was somehow clearly paralleled in our time, maybe uh, you know, maybe even a more of a direct application could could be had. Um, but um, you know, I, I think this um, uh, the fact that uh, something needed to be done. It seemed like it was almost like people were frozen in in just like maybe they're just so taken aback and shocked that it was, you know, Phineas's courage or his moral, moral courage, let's say, to kind of act on this, um, that kind of reawakened or um, kind of instigated kind of um, the, the, the satisfaction, let's say, of, the, of, of God's wrath. Uh, the remorselessness, I, I think that I might even separate that out as kind of its own kind of of um kind of a uh, uh, issue right that sometimes remorselessness right uh, re requires a stronger condemnation or reaction or or rebuke right the fact that you know again he walked by the tent of meeting he didn't care what uh, uh, it seemed like that also re required an extraordinary response, right? So I think if we find remor remorselessness in our own lives or in the lives of others, maybe an application is to kind of be more uh, fervent, be more kind of harsh against that, right? The hard heartedness, that's I think what we have to constantly combat. Almost like, I feel like, you know, our failures, our errors, our sins, our stumblings, our sinful nature, you know, we're never gonna be rid of that, right? It's gonna be a constant battle until we stand before him in, in, in the end of, end of the age. Um, but so the fact that we will fall and sin and, and need to be restored, forgiven and restored is, I feel like, you know, it, that that's granted. But what we really have to be careful about, what we really have to be zealous about is not to allow ourselves to get hardened, right? To get into the habit of it, to, you know, to not care, to not feel remorse or, uh, unwillingness to repent. If we feel like uh, going going back to what Tony said, we can get away with it and and all. 
um, that warrants um, a, a harsher response. Um, you know, whatever that may be. So anyway, thanks for your thoughts. Uh, the other thing is that um, this reminds me of Exodus 32, the incident of the golden calf, where, you know, kind of this outcome is kind of similar, right? People indulge in revelry and then they go after idolatry. But uh, the response of actually that episode when Moses come down from the mountain is that uh, the Levites actually, Moses says, who's with me, right? And they take the sword and they actually killed like a thousand of their own brothers who were participants in this, right? And this incident almost has a carbon copy nature to that particular incident where people were indulging in reverie and they were worshiping idols. And perhaps we can say Phineas, who was also a son of Levi, he wanted to basically, I don't know, he, he expressed the same kind of zeal his forefathers had which was what happened back where the sons of Levi, you know, killed those who were worshiping the idols. And so he actually took that as a model to follow, to, you know, clear the camp of, you know, the defiling people. Right, we see, we see parallels there, good. Um, any other thoughts? I'm going to wrap up pretty soon, but if you have something that we haven't said that has connection to this question we're, we're pondering, please share. Regarding Phineas, I just feel like, um, you know, we can take this, like what you said about being drastic with it for our own sin and and taking drastic actions for our own sin and recognizing it and, and, and repenting and changing. But um, I, I find it very hard to see this kind of reaction to another. You know, like if you, if uh, we were to see a brother or a sister, um, I don't know, it, it, it's, 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 in sin, let's say. I don't know how blatant it would have to be. This this was very blatant, right? But um, I'm not sure we, our culture maybe, or our, our atmosphere, I don't know what you want to term it, would, you know, would we, would we do the same? Not that we should impale each other, like in vows, but, you know, like to have that kind of to take that sin amongst the group that seriously not sure um yeah those are just my thoughts but um here you know there was like an understanding that okay it wasn't him it wasn't phineas who was doing this but that the sins of another person has like a dramatic impact, not only on him, but on the whole community, i.e. 24,000 of them die from the plague. Um, these days within the church, I'm not sure we, we or I see it, we see it. Uh, like um, 
David mentioned um, Ravi Zacharias. You know, I was floored when that came out. Um, he's one of my spiritual, well, he was one of my, um, you know, up there. Um, and uh, um, even though I, I don't know him personally, I don't, you know, but the fact that um, his sins were made public in that way, it, it really affected, I think, not only myself, but I think Christianity as a whole. We might not see ourselves as Ravi Zacharias, but I guess like what, what this passage, you know, kind of made me think about was that um, sin doesn't just affect myself. Like I can, I can try to be a Phineas, at least I should be a Phineas to my own sins, right? But, um, but to really see that my sins not only affect myself, but to the larger group. Those are my thoughts. All right. All right. Yeah, you know, um, I think uh, to me, the, the kind of the violence aspect of Phineas, um, unless it's like, you know, like I said, like super, super clear i guess even then i, I think it'd be, it'd be tough but so like the way that i've, I've come, come to understand uh, like this passage and like let's say to me the parallel would be like uh, matthew 5 where jesus says um if you're you know if your lasik right eye causes you to sin gouge it out right or if your left in your hand causes you to sin cut it up uh, and stuff i think generally we say that Jesus is not commanding a literal gouging and dismembering, but uh, a figurative one, right? Uh, so it's a ruthlessness, it's a brutality, it's a violence towards the sin right, in our lives. So however we need to impale the sin uh, without actually you know, physically hurting ourselves or others, uh, I, I think that's a lesson that we can draw. And I think that Joe was saying that we've got to really deal with the sin in our own lives. Um, I think that there is a place for um, trying to uh, eradicate sin in the lives of each other or the community, the corporate body. Uh, um, but I think it, it is it is dependent or at least more dependent than, let's say, even in the Old Testament times of what kind of relationship uh, or, or the context, right? So for a person to, let's say, go on a holiness rampage and say, I see this sin in you, that sin in you, and I'm going to make it public, you know, that kind of um, I don't know, um, attempt to, to kind of make public, uh, uh, you know, there's tricky, there, there, there's, there's pitfalls in every way you try to describe it, but let's say someone is out on a judgmental, judgmental kind of like campaign, it seems like that is, does more harm than good. Um, but to try to, with, with the principle of establishing or 
honoring God's holiness in our midst, in our own lives and in our corporate lives and you know, whatever, let's expand that to Christendom. Um, it seems like there is a place for that uh, done well. So like in First Corinthians, Paul you know, instructs the church to put out the man who I guess was sleeping with his stepmother, right? And Paul says that you have to do it and and here's why and here's how and then the outcome is that you know that man does repent uh, uh and stuff so the zeal for personal holiness and corporate holiness i think that there is you know um that is uh that should be a feature or it can be a feature of a, a two people, 10 people, a thousand people. Um, but the importance of the both the mindset and then the, the manner in which let's say such discipline is carried out um, I, I think I agree with you, Joe, that, I, that that's tricky and it's harder and harder, uh, it seems like these days and stuff. But I don't want, I don't think we should give up on it just yet. Uh, we just need more, I think we need more of the Holy Spirit's help and uh, we need more uh, stronger relationships to withstand uh, something like that. So. Anyway, I, I'm musing now too. You made me kind of muse a little bit, Joe. But anyway, uh, that would be my application. At least let's start with uh, kind of that kind of, kind of a ruthless attitude towards our own sin and, and to those that we can properly um, maybe influence or speak into. Um, yeah, it's a pretty... Uh, kind of sobering passage, right? Um, interestingly, uh, most scholars say that this is the final kind of mass punishment that occurs in the book of Numbers. And therefore, um, it actually wraps up the span of the first generation. Because after chapter 25, chapter 26 is a new census, right? So. All of the men, fighting men who rebelled, who were counted and rebelled at Kadesh Barnea are now dead. So some of them say that 24,000 either all were first generation or included a lot of, first, but it was the final purge of the first generation. And there's like a new start. Right? There's a reboot with chapter 26. They're not past their problems, but you were starting to move towards kind of the uh, another attempt, right, to go into the Canaan, and um, we'll see that you know Moses himself, like his prominence starts to, uh, you know, Joshua gets appointed, and there's another census taken. Midian is Midian gets um, uh, Midian and Moab gets Midian and Moab. They're kind of intermingled. Uh, they get attacked, uh, or they get um, kind of wiped out, and. Uh, Israelites don't lose a single soldier. It says. So anyway, um, not that it's a bright day or a new day, but it's a 
it's the second generation's time to do that. And so um, there's a little bit of closure, if you will, right? Um, uh, to um, the first generation, uh, even on a sad note. Um, they were kind of bookended, if you will, by what David said, Exodus 32, and now Numbers uh, 25. Okay. Any, uh, well, it, it's we've already gone over an hour, so I will close us in prayer, and you can ask me questions uh, separately or ask each other questions. Father, thank you for a time to look into, um, yet again, um, a disturbing story for the Israelites. Um, but I'm not sure we should be too disturbed uh, because um, I think because of our sinful nature, we are capable. Maybe we've been worse than they have. Um, their ungratefulness, their sense of entitlement privilege, their um, lusts, uh, their uh, desire to be like the other nations. Uh, just so, so many... Um, such sinful, uh, su such porousness to, to sin, Lord, um, and, and we see the results. Um, there is uh, plague, there is uh, mass death, there is, um, there, there requires vigilante um, justice, there, atonement, it's just uh, uh, the whole thing, Lord. It's just uh, really sad to see um, how real sin is and uh, how you lord um are so holy you really want us to issue sin you want us to eradicate it from our own lives and i think wisely uh, lovingly from the lives of others so we really need your help uh, if we are to um be holy as you are holy uh, help us to think deeply pray deeply act uh, pleasingly uh, to you, uh, Lord. Uh, help us in our own way to be like Phinehas. I pray for uh, each of us as we uh, study the scriptures, as we um, navigate this life, as we um, uh, both edify and challenge and spur one another on uh, in Christ. Uh, it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. <laughs>